Have you ever dreamed of becoming an interior designer? You don't want to go back to university, you don't want to work for a large firm, but you just don't know how to get started. You want flexibility, you want to pursue your passion, and you want to make income. Well, you should definitely check out the Uploft Interior Design Academy. It's my proprietary program that I've used internally for years and have made available to the public. Not only do you get video modules that you can take at your own pace, but you also get one-on-one coaching sessions with me, group coaching sessions with our Facebook group of Academy students, and so much more. If you're interested, Get more information and sign up for an exploratory call with me at affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. It's time to start living the life of your dreams. designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy helmet hi everybody i was just sitting around my storefront on a lazy summer afternoon we got a sun shower outside and the phones have stopped ringing for a minute so here i am ready to jump into some questions that have come into my email box you can email them to info at affordableinteriordesign.com. Guys, I hope you're having a great summer. I hope that you are getting time to relax as well as time to do a little bit of home shopping for outdoor decor. I myself love to switch out my outdoor pillows. Of course, during the cold months, I bring them out I don't keep them outside. I put them in the basement. And all of a sudden, my basement goes from just an open play space to a beautifully designed space with all this outdoor furniture and my outdoor pillows. But usually the next year, I'm a little bit itchy for a new look. And that means I'll either buy an outdoor rug. That's a little bit different. Than the pattern I had before, or I will buy some fresh pillows because those are much cheaper at 25 to 40 bucks a pop. The other thing I love to do to freshen my outdoor space is to utilize the colors that I'm working with inside. As many of you know, who are dedicated listeners, my living room is decorated red, yellow, and green. Think about a stoplight. It is that bright because I love color and I'm basically riffing off of a stained glass window that has been in my home for 30 years and I didn't want to rip out. Even though those colors aren't my jam, the stained glass is beautiful and it's really a a great element to our house. So I decided to embrace it and just design around it. And then I pull some of those colors, the same schematic, the same idea out onto the patio because people are walking throughout my house, right? They're coming in when I'm hosting a barbecue, grabbing some buns, grabbing the plates and going back out to the patio. I do think of them as one visual space. We have these French doors that open up into the patio and I want the color schemes to feel united when I look through the glass. I don't want the patio to feel like a totally unique space with a totally unique color palette. 
The other thing to keep in mind is that you also want the patio space to look really good with the outside of your home. So if the outside of your home features colors, which many of ours do, mine is a stucco, which is certainly a neutral because it's just kind of a cream, but the window framing is this brick red, as is the roof. And so that's the color that I've chosen to embrace for the patio, this brick rusty red that works really well with the deep red that I have in my living room. That way, not only does it look great inside the house, it looks great outside the house. And the other day I was designing for a client, uh, actually a friend, we're bartering services. She's a lawyer, an amazing lawyer, and gave me legal advice. And she lives right down the road from me, so I gave her patio advice. And her house is like a slate blue color. And it has navy blue shingles. And so we were trying to decide what direction to go in for her. And I really don't want to keep it all blue. And because her house is so blue, I actually want to steer away from that a little bit. So what colors look nice with blue? What wouldn't be too jarring? Well, again, even on a patio, I think 60, 30, 10. So we made that 30% the same slate blue. That's roughly the color of her house. Then we made our 60% that sage green that not only really embraces the green that you'll find outside, but those two cool tones work really well together. But it's on this 10% where I'm going to have to push my lawyer friend because she is less excited about adding that 10% element, adding that third color. And I don't blame her. That's when it gets a little risky, right? That's when people tell me, Betsy, two colors is enough. I just can't do anymore. I'll leave it right there. Fine. You don't want more accent colors. I get it. I won't push you. But if she was going to add that 10%, I would make sure that it is a warm color red, orange, yellow, rather than continuing that coolness with the blues and the greens, maybe adding um, ashy violet or something. I would steer away from that and know that we don't want this to become the cool house. We want to add maybe a little pop of, well, I think mustard yellow would be beautiful with those two colors. Or even if you wanted something really faded, um, you could do a coral. Would that be crazy? Like a faded coral? Anyway, those are my thoughts on outdoor design for today. And let me segue to a question. Andrea writes, I want to build shelves in my dining room. What are your thoughts on custom versus off-the-shelf IKEA Billy or similar? So yes, I have seen those Billy hacks where you can put them together, you can add crown molding at the top, and it will look very similar to a built-in. I would do a Billy hack if you do not own your space, if you rent your space. I can't ever think of a time, I'm thinking, when I would put built-ins in a rental space. It's too big an investment. Uh, Maybe if it was rent-stabilized, maybe if I knew I was going to be there forever, but it's just a financial as well as spatial commitment to do built-ins. You want to make sure that your life is not going to change. You want to make sure that your use for that room is not going to change. And so I would never ever do built-ins in a rental. So Andrea, if you are in a rental, this is a take time for a Billy bookcase hack. But if you own this space, It really depends. If you foresee the functionality of this room changing, for instance, if it is an office now, but it might be a nursery in the future, I would do a Billy hack. 
However, this is your dining room, right? It's probably always going to be your dining room. Maybe you want to use those shelves to display plates as well as books, as well as maybe bar equipment. It's so fun to use shelves in a dining room for something other than books. And if you do want to use it exclusively for books, I love having it be about books that have something to do with the kitchen, cookbooks, or something to do with food, right? Keeping it somewhat thematic. But in that case... I would go ahead in the built-in arena, you know. Uh, It is going to be exponentially more expensive than that billy hack. So you really want to be sure that you've got the look that you want. I would highly recommend that with any built-in, you do adjustable shelves because it allows you to change the functionality of what's inside the bookcase since you can't change the functionality of what the bookcase is doing in the room. It's got to be there. It's built in. If you're going to remove it, it's going to be another added expense and a waste of your investment. So by giving yourself the adjustable shelves, it gives you room to grow, change, evolve. Uh, And that's my two cents on adjustable shelves and built-ins. All right, let's get to a question. This one is from Jennifer. Jennifer writes, Betsy, I am a huge fan of your podcast, Affordable Interior Design, and I appreciate your practical and fun approach to interiors. Turning on your podcast is always sure to lift my mood and get me excited about my house and my design. I have a question that I'm hoping you can answer on your podcast. My kitchen has a corner pantry, which I know is not very designerly, but I did not know this when building our house five years ago, and now this pantry is here to stay. I'm wondering how to approach the paint color for the surrounding drywall and pantry door in an open concept kitchen. My kitchen cabinets are white and they go all the way to the ceiling. The backsplash is Carrera marble and the countertop is absolute black granite with a cooktop wall and Carrera marble on the island. My current paint color is Benjamin Moore's Manchester Tan, which also continues throughout the open concept great room, the dining room, the foyer, and the hallways, as that neutral relates to the green beige undertones that are found in my rugs, my side chairs, my fireplace stone, etc. However, I feel like it stands out next to the blue-gray marble backsplash, and I wonder if the corner pantry should be different. Should the drywall trim and pantry door all be kept white like the cabinets? Should the drywall be a pale blue-gray like Benjamin Moore's Horizon with white trim and a pantry door? Should the drywall be all white and the pantry door be a blue-gray? I have attached pictures for reference, and I am open to getting a new pantry door. Also, I wanted to comment. Oh, well, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, Jennifer, one question at a time. So about this kitchen, uh, as you described it, you did a great job of describing it. It's open concept. One room bleeds into the other. Manchester tan is a very saturated beige. It's beautiful. It's a historic color on their palette. I love using it. Uh, but it does read warm, right? And the Carrera marble that you're talking about and the black countertops, those read cool. As you know, those are having a gray undertone and when they're against the Manchester tan, well, that gray is even kind of looking a little bluish. Now, that's fine because you know I like contrast. So mixing warm and cool is something I'm going to be down with and I'm not going to recommend that you get rid of that Manchester tan, nor do I think you want to. So that's perfect. 
But the thing that was bothering me about your letter is why you are bothered by this drywall. It is an open concept room, but the drywall around the pantry door, which is kind of stuck in between one side of the kitchen and the other side of the kitchen on an angle, the drywall looks like a wall. So it should be treated like the other walls. It shouldn't be treated as trim which would necessitate it being white. It shouldn't be treated like a door, which again would necessitate it being white, or even cabinets, which would necessitate it being white since your cabinets are white. It should be treated like the rest of the walls. Now, the reason why we're not gonna paint this a different color than Manchester tan is because you probably know my feelings on accent walls, which I like to call accident walls, right? Because it looks like you ran out of paint or you were afraid to make a big commitment. I think accent walls are only good in a couple of scenarios and yours is not one of them. And so, you know, when you paint an accent wall, what you're doing it's even in the name, is you're accenting that. You're drawing attention to it. Now, you don't like this corner pantry, even though it doesn't really bother me. And I love that you have the storage space, what I would give in my kitchen for a pantry. Uh, but you don't want to highlight that. It is sort of a strange feature to have at a diagonal splitting up your kitchen. We want it to recede in the background, and I think it's doing just that. I don't think you're doing anything wrong. In fact, I think it looks great. Can I tell you not to do anything? Don't do anything. Certainly don't make it an accent color because we do not want to draw even more attention to it. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com, click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. All right, let me get to your next question, Jennifer. You did have a second one. You write, I wanted to comment on the design certification program that you've mentioned on the podcast. I would definitely be interested in this program. I wonder if the content could be split for those who are only interested in the design aspect of interior design and then those who want to learn about the business aspect. I would be interested in learning the Betsy approach that you've mentioned that is taught to new designers at your firm, but I am not interested in learning about the business side right now. I hope that enough listeners show support as I think this class would fill a great need for many homeowners interested in learning more about interior design. Thanks, Jennifer. 
Well, Jennifer, you're exactly right. So as some of you know, in the fall or late summer, I'm going to be launching an interior design certification program. This is going to be a pretty in-depth program. It's going to be different from my online classes, which I already have and are still amazing and relevant. It's going to be different from my book because this certification program is going to be for somebody who wants to be an accredited interior designer. It's not a hobby. It's not a DIY. It's not just for fun. This is for somebody who may not want to start their own business per se, but they want to approach their neighbors. They want to talk to their friends. They want to have this certification just for themselves so they can feel like they're really living their passion. Maybe it will become a hobby business for them or maybe it won't. Now with the certification program, I'm only going to be teaching you how to be an interior designer. There's going to be very little that talks about the business of interior design. There will be a couple bonuses that will talk about that because I do want you after you've become an interior designer to be able to think about what to do with this information, to be able to make back your investment with clients who are excited to tap into your passion, your talent. But Learning to be a business owner is a totally separate thing. I know because I started my business not having an interior design degree. I turned it into a hobby business. My hobby became so popular that I became an interior designer and opened a firm. But it all sort of happened to me versus me proactively wanting to have a business. That is a completely different skill set. I even think of it as a completely different mentality. And sometimes when I'm spending so much time growing the business or thinking like a business owner, my design brain, that other half of my brain feels somewhat neglected and I feel like I'm not getting to be the artist that I wanted to be in the first place. I might have might as well have gotten a corporate job or something like that because I'm having to think about spreadsheets, about leads, about marketing, and I really wanted to be an interior designer. So that's what I'm going to be teaching. I'm going to be teaching you how to learn the craft, know the trade. I'm going to be going more in depth with my rules and principles and formulas because the people who are reading my book, the people who are taking my online classes, that is a great primer and it is a tool that I use. But if you want to go deeper, you really have to want to be an interior designer. If you want to make floor plans with me, we're going to have to talk in a slightly different way. And that's why I'm creating my certification. So don't worry, Jennifer, the two are totally separate because I think that they also kind of attract totally separate people. In a way, in a way. So I'm going to teach you how to be a designer and then I'll teach you how to get some clients and then you can use that information for what you will. And maybe, just maybe, I will um, have a business module after that, but I haven't really thought about it that much. Um, Denise asked, will it teach CAD? And no, it won't. CAD is very expensive and it is way too powerful for what you need to be an interior designer. CAD is great for architects, for draftsmen, if you're building a house from the ground up. When you are creating layouts for rooms in a home or a business, there is another software that is 
100 times cheaper, literally, and more pleasant to look at because CAD is kind of ugly and it's not very fun to play with. We use a software that is super fun to play with. It's pretty easy to learn and it's like moving little stickers around. Our software that we like to use, which I will be teaching you in the certification course, we will have modules just on learning this floor planner. But it has little pictures of kitty cats and plants and um, pianos and pool tables. It's just so much more fun to play with. And not only is that helpful as an interior designer because I want it to look cute and CAD doesn't really look cute, but also it's helpful for your clients because they want it to look cute. They don't want their sofa to look like a rectangular box. They want to see a rolled arm. They want to see some tufting. They want to see their kitty cat resting on the second cushion. So the programs that we use are so much more interesting, so much easier, a fraction of the cost. And I have interior designers at my firm, some who have been to design school and some like me who have never been to design school. They had the same ease of learning this tool and the ones that had been to design school and learned CAD were like, never again. We do not need CAD at this level. CAD is not fun. CAD is too robust. And it's $40,000 for the program. Like, no, absolutely not. Our program, our software that we use is $9 a month. That is more my speed. The next question is from Sydney. All right, here we go. Sydney writes... Betsy, I just purchased my first home. It is a two-bedroom townhouse with a finished basement. The basement has light gray carpeting. The first floor has half-engineered wood, half-tan tile. And the stairs leading up to the second floor and the hallway bedroom upstairs have this worn-out dark gray carpet. I have attached photos of one of the bedrooms, the living room, and the kitchen. I am planning to have the flooring leading up the stairs in the hallway and in the bedrooms replaced prior to moving in. My dilemma is whether or not to put carpet or hardwood. As you can see from the photos, the previous owners had just put in brand new cabinets, which are medium to dark brown. If I attempt to match the engineered wood in the living room, would this be too much brown between the existing flooring and the cabinets? If I try and go with a more contemporary light brown wood, would that clash with the other two browns or look strange as that wood wouldn't match the wood in the living room? Ideally, I would prefer dark wood flooring, and I would love white cabinets. However, since these cabinets are new, I'm very hesitant to paint them. An alternative option is to put more of a tan carpet instead of wood. I should also mention that I'm looking to paint all of the walls white. Please help Sydney. All right, first Sydney. Oh my gosh, that last sentence gave me some agita. Not the please help, I guess the one before. Second to last sentence. Do not paint all of your walls white, Sydney. Nothing looks like... You didn't make choices faster than buying a can of Benjamin Moore's Whitest White and slapping it up on all your walls. You have a chair rail to think about. You have lovely moldings. Come on now. Let's highlight those with appropriate paint colors that are not a pure white. And I know that white is really hot these days. Everybody is loving variations of white. But like I said, on paint... It can look like you didn't make choices. It can really blend all this great architectural feature stuff you have going on with the chair rail, with the moldings. It can just make it all wash away. I really want you to reconsider that even if you go for a light neutral, like a light gray, or in your case, I'd probably be going for a light 
beige that has a coolness to it, that would be the direction I would be thinking about and save that bright crisp white for the trim and the ceilings. All right. I'm looking at your pictures here, and yes, the cabinets aren't just a solid dark brown wood. They do have some variation. They have a grain, and the grain is deeper from the picture I have than the overall stain. So it does have this mottled effect. Now, I think because you like dark flooring, that you could play with the dark tones in these cabinets and stain all your floors the darker tone of these cabinets. Uh, I love the fact that the kitchen, even though it's open to the living room, has tile. That tile is so refreshing. That tile is breaking up all the brown. And I am super hesitant to tell you to put carpeting anywhere. First of all, in New York or in urban spaces in general, carpeting is just not really a thing. People don't like it. For resale value, it's bad. But even in homes for resale value, it's bad. Nobody wants your carpeting, no matter how new it is. They're going to want to rip it out. They're going to want to make sure there's nice flooring underneath. You might as well just show them there's nice flooring from the start. Now, Sydney, if you're going to live in this space for 10 to 15 years, do whatever you want. Put the carpet in of your dreams. Do what you want, right? You don't have to listen to my advice on wood versus carpeting. But if you're planning to sell this within the next 10 years, I would really suggest that you go with that hardwood. And I think doing it the darker tone that's threaded throughout these cabinets would be a beautiful choice that would be popular for a lot of people. You know that I'm going to tell you to avoid that warm or cherry wood. We don't want it to get too orangey or too reddy. And by ready, I mean red. Because uh, that doesn't have mass appeal either right now. But I do think that the dark wood would look beautiful. I think that would be a really appealing choice, especially if you don't do white walls, if you do something that has a little bit more character. And then when you don't do carpeting, it gives you that opportunity to lay down beautiful area rugs with refreshing patterns, with festive colors. It allows you to change out your color palette when you change your rug. It's just versatile. It's fun. And people say, Betsy, when I put a rug on my beautiful wood flooring that I just stained, people won't see my floors. And it's actually quite the opposite. Putting a rug down will draw their attention down. They'll be looking at those colors and the patterns on the rug, and then they'll look at the wood surrounding it because, of course, you're not going to put an area rug that's so big you can't see your flooring, or else you might as well put down wall-to-wall -wall carpeting. But they're going to see that contrast, and it's going to draw their eye to the wood floors. I think staining that darker wood tone you're hoping for is just the way to go. And I'm not too worried about having white cabinets at this point because you do have that beautiful light colored tile that's giving that lightness to an otherwise pretty dark area. If you had wood floors that went right up to those wood cabinets, I'd be giving you some different advice. But luckily you don't. And I'm excited for you, Sydney. Congrats on your new home. Well, guys, it has been such a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, keep those questions coming in, info at affordableinteriordesign.com, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, 
You're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.